a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I'm joined by Kiri Anderson, who is a drummer from Adelaide who really plays in a multitude of musical projects. Kiri, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me. It's great to chat to you. I think that a large part of kind of my preparation in preparing for this interview was to trying to list all of the projects that you are associated with. <laughs> and I think that I kind of got a headache and confused myself just by trying to make a list. So I'm interested to hear with you playing in so many projects and also projects that sort of vary from multiple different genres. Mm-hmm. How do you manage to kind of flick the switch and say, you know, now I'm doing experimental jazz tomorrow it's going to be indie rock how are you able to shift shape shift between those different headset uh, headspaces required well I would say that uh, approaching music and all, most styles of music is all about serving what the song um, I guess the song is asking for and I think I've played drums for quite a long time now and been in many bands and um listening just listening I think personally um I don't actually go in with a headset that I have to sound like this style or I have to sound like that style I just kind of listen to what the song sounds like and what the other players are playing and try to I guess play what is tasteful tasteful to what is going on around me I think so I see it <laughs> okay it kind of sounds like you're describing mindfulness like it's just you're sitting at the drum kit and you you're not going in like a robot with a with a very clear, you know, uh, analytical plan. It's more like going with what's happening and, and sort of being in the moment. I guess is what you're saying. Yes, I would say. Um, yeah, that's, I would say my my biggest strength of and why I play music is I'm quite a reactory player and um i listen to a lot of music and and take a lot of it in and and sometimes it just feels like it's uh, some things get osmosis like absorbed in me and so when I'm in the moment I can I know kind of it feels like I know what the right thing to play is not all, like most of the time it's like there's other suggestions of people give me ideas of what they hear and then I take that on board so yeah it's usually yeah quite collaborative for me <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a weird question but do you need to do you need to practice mindfulness to be able to be good at that and particularly good at that in playing in front of an audience? Hmm. I think practic- practicing mindfulness is like an incredibly good thing to do as as any as any human, but as an artist particularly who has has a, I feel like we always have a lot of thoughts. Um I don't know if it's necessary to to have to practice it to to do that. I think you know, different personalities and different people. I'm quite extroverted and when I'm on a stage and I'm with a community, I feel very present and very in the moment. I find that very easy for me. I don't naturally get nervous or, uh, yeah, feel like I have to be in a mindfulness state, but music kind of drags me into that. It feels like you're, you're – I guess you are being mindfulness 
uh, you being mindful by like absorbing and uh, focusing on your senses, like of your like your hearing senses rather than the other things around you. So maybe if you were practicing mindfulness and taking in sounds and stuff, that that could be helpful. <laughs> sure, maybe it's yeah. maybe it's inverted. Maybe like you having so much experience of doing that and being in the moment on stage makes you like better at meditation or. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I wish. I mean, I I don't I do mindfulness. I do quite a bit of yoga since COVID. Since COVID started, I have gotten really into yoga, and okay. um, I do find that that has been so helpful for my mental space um, and breathing. And but yeah, <laughs> is it good for because drumming is quite a physical uh, thing to do? Is yoga good for that to help you like? I don't know, improve flexibility or yeah, improve uh, yeah, stamina. No, it is absolutely amazing. Yoga is um, I core strength is so crucial. I didn't mm. I didn't realize how, how little of a core strength I had when like when you play drums and you've got balance and you you know you're using all your limbs and sometimes I would play and it's like I would fall in on like certain on like on my pedals and certain limbs in in not a comfortable way and in in and in ways that I felt would sacrifice the music because I may not have played in the exact time that I wanted it to play because I kind of fell on something and I found that once I started doing yoga and I started strengthening all my core muscles and all that um things started to come easier and I tied less quickly definitely okay mm. Uh, which is more difficult? Because I mean, I've never really drummed. I come from more of like a guitar background. But mm -hmm. in terms of that uh, yoga helping the kind of um, flexibility, is it more difficult to play like a thirty-minute intense rock gig, or to be in a studio for six hours with headphones on, listening to a click, trying to be really precise? Ah, uh, that is. I love that's a great question. I find studio work extremely hard um and and doing and being in the moment and present and being really um, precise with everything you do um I find that yeah that I find a lot harder than being on a stage you get that 30 minutes you react and then that time has passed and they're, they're both different environments they're both amazing and so like good for you as a musician to learn and grow but um yeah I definitely find being in a studio quite quite difficult for that long my my focus and my body just gives up quite early <laughs> right okay um well we should we should probably talk about at least one of the many projects that you're involved with yeah um so in doing the research I guess the one maybe that I listened to most was Aura mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a it's a four-piece and it's sort of like improvisational jazz, yeah. I think it's fair to say mm -hmm. Um, and I was reading that you actually, uh, it's all Australian musicians, but you met up in Canada. Yes. Or formed a band in Canada. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, I can. Um, in 2019, um, all, I, I got accepted into this program, uh, at the, there's a band, uh, creative music intensive, basically. Um, and it's up in a, up in the Banff mountains in Canada, there's this whole, um, art center with all these these incredible lecturers and hotels and like cafes and like stages studios and all around all all year there they have uh different programs for um you know artists like they have string quartet uh, programs have dance programs have all these different things so the one that i applied for was a jazz and creative music um program that went for three weeks 
and um, I got in to uh, to this program and went over there in August and met uh, Helen, Flora and Audrey who were all other Australian musicians at the time there at this program. And so we spent um, three weeks together basically living all together. There's was, there was about 40 to 50 of us from all around, around the world uh, playing jazz and improvisational music together and learning from these incredible lecturers um, about this music and how to be creative and how to be uh, how to improvise um, use your you know improvisation as composition and yeah basically we met there and just became best friends straight away I knew of Audrey Helen and Flora me and Flora had met before and actually recorded um with a guy named Dylan Paul in Adelaide that year. But I was, um, it was very short lived. We saw each other maybe twice and then she went back to Melbourne. So it was really nice to see her again. And so we became really close when we were over there in the mountains. And yeah, we formed this little group. And because they had this studio there, you could um, record with whoever you wanted to for free. They had these incredible studio engineers and studio engineer students. And, um, yeah, we recorded this – well, we made a group called Aura and we recorded all the songs that you heard when we were up there in the mountains one day. So, Oh, they were recorded in Banff. Yes, they were. They were recorded in Banff. Um, ah. Yeah, we just were like, oh, let's get in the studio together and do it and then recorded it. And we never really thought we were going to release it, but we were kind of just – the funny thing about the recording is we were so busy that the program was so intense. It's incredible. You, you you get up every day, you go to all these like lectures and you do all these small ensemble groups. And then after in the evening, you go to the studio and then you have, a, there's late night gigs and late night, you know, you're up all day playing music with all these people. And then we squeezed in some time to just like decide we'll go to the studio together. And we hadn't, really played any of those tunes at all together before we we tried to run through them rehearsal we did it once and said okay that'll do so all the tunes that you hear on that aura album is basically us running it for the second time together and um and the second time ever as a group together we'd never played all together before and i think that's what makes it really special (laughs) so did you do multiple how many takes do you do when you're doing improvisational jazz or is it all just one take well um yeah i think uh, think two two of them on there are actually. I think most of them are the are the first takes. I think we just recorded them and said that'll do. And like, wow. yeah, yeah. I think because we've got contrafact on there as contrafact one and two, and that's because we did that tune twice. Um, and we we're like, oh, they're both different because they both went in different directions. So we we're like, okay, we'll put them both on there. But I think everything else we did, yeah, we did them once and said, okay, that's that's the tune. <laughs> That's it for today. So, yeah, once, apparently. <laughs> well, I think we should listen to one of these tunes uh, recorded in the skiing and snowboarding mecca of bands. <laughs> yeah. um, so the track that we're going to hear off the album by Aura is called uh, Dissociation Days. So let's listen to that now.
The track that we just heard was called Dissociation Days from the album from Aura. So, um, Kiri, that was one of your compositions on that album. Yes. And as I mentioned, that you've been involved in drumming in so many different projects across so many different styles. Mm -hmm. But I'm interested, is there, uh, do you have a desire to release a Kiri Anderson EP or something which is kind of your own music solely under your own name? I think um, it goes in waves for my my desire to be to have my comp- compositions kind of out there. Uh, comp- composing is 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 a new a newer thing to me. Um, I, I really really love playing other people's music. I, I actually feel like I'm always composing on the spot when I'm part of other people's music. So my huge desire for my own songs and stuff to be heard is, is it, it's not it's not high as as much, but after I went to Banff, it definitely, I was definitely inspired to do so and, and had much more of a kick for it. I think it's been a lot harder with this lockdown. I've kind of lost that drive and urge to want to release my own music at the moment because I, I feel like it's just the environment is not that inspiring for me at the moment. But maybe one day, I'm definitely hoping one day to do so. <laughs> what form would the inspiration to do solo work come in? I think that I have so many influences of music that I like and I really enjoy, like when I write and I, if I have been writing, I really actually enjoy singing a lot. And so I might just sing stuff into a mic and then sing harmonies over it and kind of get melodies and ideas from that. So if, if it was ever going to be a solo thing, it might be drums with like uh, vocals um uh, I also, you know, I love folk music, so I always write music that kind of sounds like folk music. So I, I actually have no idea. It would be such a mix. That's the thing. It would be this eclectic album of r- r- lots of different styles, and that's the hard thing. That's why it's so hard for me to commit to it, I think. Yeah. I, I don't commit because I'm like, oh, this song is nothing like the last thing I wrote. Uh, how would I put that together? <laughs> okay. And then it's it's hard to do that, so then you just go and work on one of the other like sixteen projects that you're working on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I yes, I basically go okay, cool. I'll just go back to doing all the other things I love doing, which is playing in that many bands that I, yeah, I I probably don't focus as much on myself, and I should. Um, but yeah, naturally, playing other people's music for me is just a lot easier. <laughs> what happens when someone? Because I guess this happens to uh, basically all drummers, I guess. When someone says, you know, we started this awesome band and we're looking for a drummer. That probably happens to you many times. Yes. <laughs> what is what is your thought? Is um, it, oh, great, that's a great opportunity, or I'm already, like, overloaded, there's too much stuff going on? <laughs> that's great. Um, it just depends, really. It, it, it depends on what, like... Because like, there's so many different avenues for being in a band and, and, and things that it brings for you and it's kind of where you want to go with it and, and what what resonates with me. And I, I love all music but there's some music that, you know, I mean you recently spoke to Brie Tranter and um, I loved Siberian Tiger, the band that she was, she's, that I am in with her and I heard her EP before I was part of it and it's, it's, it was just an album that I rotated and I was like, I'd love to play drums for that. And so when she asked me, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm, I'm in. I, I will make time for that group. Um, and many other bands are like that as well. If, if I don't have time for it, it's, it's only that I love touring and I love traveling and, and so if it's groups that I know that are 
you know, I've had the opportunity to be part of a lot of folk festivals, a lot of different festivals. And if I can, if I'm bands that are part of those kind of worlds, I'm usually like, this is awesome. That's the kind of road I want to go down. Okay. And I guess a little bit, I, we spoke a little bit before about you being a kind of session drummer as well. Mm-hmm. I, um, over the last 18 months, I've been trying very hard to go to Perth to work uh, with the producer who was uh, in Sydney for quite a while, but now he moved back to Perth. Um, it's kind of not going to happen now that I'm moving overseas, but he kind of pitched the idea to me of now there's kind of like software tools where people can be working on an album and they're all like around the world. Totally. So people in different locations actually doing like live tracking. Mm-hmm. Have you done that? I have, yeah. I um, Since lockdown, there's been lots of different things. My My partner, Ryan, is a studio engineer and we actually have a – little granny flat at the back which he has as a studio so he's recorded i've done some drums for um the group called the maze which are like a melbourne um folk sisters that duo but they also have a, a bass player um and since then i did a recording for them maybe february this year and then they were like oh, i love it and i ended up touring with them um through a couple of shows this year after that so um yeah i've done things for my friend sam anning in in his other projects so yeah i've done a couple of recordings with just separate drums and sent it off to them and it's worked which is really cool but are you doing it like live with them and they're playing their parts or you're doing the drum isolated by itself and then sending it off in those situations i'm doing isolated i I have i've been part of um yeah there's a, a group called the improv isolation improv collective um Pat Telfer, a, a, a guy from Melbourne, um, ran, and that was a live thing where there was a bunch of musicians doing open improvised music together, and it was, yeah, tracked all together live, and we were on Zoom together. It was amazing. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, he did an incredible job. I, I recommend looking up the Isolation Improvisation Collective. I'll send you – I can send you a link. Um, sure. But, yeah, that was a bunch of, like, you know, 12-plus musicians all at the same time doing it together, and actually that was amazing. It was really cool. <laughs> Is it harder than all being in the same room at the same time, though? It's definitely different. Yeah, it's it's different, and you don't get um, you know things will jump in and out and crack in and out, and you don't you know the the qualities of dynamics and yeah, you, they kind of get lost. So you are, mm, it is different. It's not the same. <laughs> sure, but the times in which we live. Absolutely, got to try, got to try everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's time for the segment, Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of seven topics. I ask you to choose one of them and tell us something about it. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, Patti Smith, punk rock, death, and politics. So, Kiri, can you please tell us a thing? Okay, I am actually going to choose politics. There's a part of me that has always wanted to um, 
get into politics and be a part of the politics world just because I generally uh, have an outspoken nature on things that I care about. But I think I always, I always think about this and ha- having an empathetic being how you'd be that because you wouldn't be able to please everyone and that comes down to people pleasing. Um, yeah, politics are uh, really complicated and um, – <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. I'm very unhappy with the state of our politics at the moment. Very unhappy, which are okay. most most are. <laughs> it's not the first time that in the last maybe six months that people have wanted to talk about politics. Yes, politics is all. I, I have a big issue with um, its wrap up with media and with Rupert Murdoch and Rupert Murdoch's power over um, newspapers and people's you know what people read. Um, if they don't go searching and how influential that is on who gets elected. And I think, you know, when Kevin Rudd came out with that, um, you know, royal um, commission into Rupert Murdoch, that was something that I have been, you know, wanting and thinking about for years. Um, I think is really important and something that needs to be seen because he controls it all. And, uh, yeah, he yeah he has a huge part to, to play with, with how we've gone down our road in politics and our lack of action towards many things and climate change and yeah I don't know I could go for ages on that (laughs) well the thing is I rarely get to speak to anyone from Adelaide about politics how do do you feel the general consensus about the South Australian premier and current government is at the moment it's a great see I it's hard to know because I'm naturally I'm not a liberal supporter um, and we have a Liberal government and Stephen Marshall su- has surprisingly not done, like he, he's he been following a lot of the health rules and the reasons from Nicola Spurrier who's been, she's kind of like our queen of Adelaide. I think everyone is looking at her as a shining light of, um, yeah, she's like a queen here. She's idolised. There's a lot of Nicola, like, stickers going around and like. Oh, right, okay. Like, she's just this, we call her Queen Nicola and there's, yeah. So, it's like Stephen Marshall has kind of taken the back seat to Nicholas Spurrier being our almighty saviour and um, he's kind of happy to do that. I think um, at the moment I, I I have no idea where the backing is for Stephen Marshall because he's done a good job but also I'm not a Liberal supporter so I'm, I think the football situation has, yeah, burnt some bridges with him because he has – uh, had games open where all the pubs and venues are closed and I think it's done a great divide of, with the AFL in, in South Australia. So I think if, if he were to lose his position, there's a lot to do with with that. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the AFL has caused great grief over here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very hot, oh, well, interesting take for me to hear because if we had a list of grievances with the New South Wales state government, I don't think AFL would make the top like... <laughs> 50 probably <laughs> no of course not no it's um because it's not it's not an eastern it's a very victorian very south australian thing um, yeah i mean we've got the swans and the other ones but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> AWS. Oh, i mean i i talk about this i mean i am extremely avid afl sport i'm a huge crow sport if anyone knows me it's like oh, right. I love music and i love the crows and that's my two things so it's been quite um conflicting seeing the the ridiculous amount of um, uh, special treatment that the AFL gets over any arts here. And that's been, yeah, that's been really hard to process. Okay. Yeah, it's my hobby and I really enjoy it. It's my thing outside music. But, yeah, it's been really bad here and in Victoria. So, mm. 
Yeah, you might have a more conflicted viewpoint than someone who's a musician who doesn't like football. Totally, totally. Like someone's just like, well, screw the AFL. And I see it as being such a community-orientated person that I am. I grew up loving the AFL because of my family. I would always go and I always see there's a whole bunch of different people from different aspects of life and, you know, and it didn't matter because you're all there supporting a team at the in the end and it, it kind of would bring people together. And I think people need to realize that as well as much as you know it's a sport and it's full of dudes who just get paid too much money and you know a bunch of bogans or what they say yelling it's also brings up a lot of people a lot of joy and if they were to take it fully away in this time it's just another layer that of complication i think so sure i feel like sport it kind of keeps a very thin veneer of civility in society, I think the Olympics still kind of has that where people stopped yelling and started watching the skateboarding or whatever for two yes. weeks. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. 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 It's, yes, which they did, and I mean, I know a lot of it is about gambling and people they they don't they haven't gone to the AFL in sport because people bet money on it and it's all that and that's the underbelly of it all as well. But I think yeah, if you watch the how many people came to the Olympics and how much hope that kind of gave people in these dire times. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I think it's just valuing the arts as much as we value sport in this country would be incredible. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kerry Anderson, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, having a chat. I really enjoyed our time talking to each other. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for having me. Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.